right, if you turn to uh, the epistle of First John, and we are beginning chapter 3 this morning. First John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hateth this world's good and seeth his brother, excuse me, but whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And he, hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he has given part of the reading of God's Word, chapter 3 in the epistle of 1 John. Beginning with verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Verse 1 in chapter 3. I think there ought to be an exclamation mark after that passage. Because God, he, is, he is saying, 
what manner of love, what incredible love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. He is actually, uh, the chapter break to chapter 3 is probably not the best place to break that chapter. Earlier we saw in Acts a bad place to break a chapter where uh, the end of the previous chapter ends with the word Paul saying, and that's the end of the chapter. Uh, well, verse 29 is really uh, a, a beginning of verse 1 in chapter 3. Uh, verse uh, Chapter 2, verse 29 in 1 John says, If ye know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteous is born of him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. It's all the same idea he's developing further, this idea of being a child of God, a son of God, as they say, but it's a child, whether you're male or female. All of those who have been born of God will be called the sons or the children of God and uh, will be like him, as we'll see later, uh, with uh, regarding that he is righteous. And his righteousness, of course, is the righteousness of Christ. And uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in verse 3. Uh, but then he marvels, again, at the great love of the Father in granting us to be his children. Please turn to the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Chapter 1. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, it, uh, the, what we're looking at in First John, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, beginning in verse 30, the Lord your God, which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes, and in the wilderness where thou hast seen how that the Lord thy God bare thee, as a man doth bear his son, all the way that you went until you came into this place. So the idea of being a son of God is not a New Testament idea. It goes all the way back to one of the first books of the Bible. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And yet, if you'll recall, the unbelieving Jews hated Christ because he called God his Father. And yet, if they really understood that passage in Deuteronomy, God is our is Father, Father of all who believe. Uh, but they did not. Their eyes were blinded to that. Uh, we remember God... Excuse me. Was under no obligation to save us from our sin. Uh, the, the quote from in the bulletin this week from Benjamin Warfield says that the marvel of marvels is not that God, in His infinite love, has not elected all this guilty race to be saved, but that He has elected any. Now, people condemn this whole idea of election. Well, election is a word in the Bible, by the way, uh, so it's not something that John Calvin made up. Uh, it's certainly in the Bible. And uh, just use a concordance and we'll see. Plus, it's referred to many other times, if not in so many words of selection, but even the word election, like predestination, is a word in the Bible. It's not something that some you know, reformed person made up. Uh, this idea, people attack, well, how could God, you know, why doesn't he save everybody? But again, the marvel is that he, he has saved anyone. Uh, now, 
often wonder, would people condemn someone who went to an orphanage? An orphanage with 200 children and a wealthy, very wealthy person had a lot of money and wanted a lot of children and adopted 15 of those children. The world would say, isn't this marvelous? I mean, that would make big news. That would be national news. This wealthy person came in, this wealthy couple, and they adopted 15. Well, what about the rest of the children? Would they be condemned for not adopting all 200 children? Yet they condemn God for not adopting everybody. The marvel is that he has saved anyone, because we are all dead in our trespasses and sins. We're all sinners. Nobody deserves to be saved. We deserve to go to hell. It's only God, through his love, he came into the orphanage, if you will, of the world, and said, I'll adopt that one and that one and that one and that one. But it's under nothing in us. We're just children. Nothing in us. But it's, it's his purpose. Now, why did he choose that one and not that the other one? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we do know it's nothing in us. It's, oh, I'm special. I've got some sort of special quality that God liked. Well, remember, all the qualities you have, God put in you. So you can't take credit for anything, even if you have some particular talent. Thing. It's not, God put it in there. So he's not saying, oh, you have that. I like that. I'm gonna have, I will, he put it in you. So we don't know why he chooses some and not others, but we know, obviously, that he does. We receive an inheritance through Jesus Christ. Ephesians, uh, for example, look at Ephesians, please. Chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. And when I'm finished with that, please hold your finger in that, because we're going to look at Ephesians again, chapter 1, in a moment. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In whom, we're talking about Christ here, also, we have obtained an inheritance being predestin predestinated, remember I said that's a word in the Bible, according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. So we receive an inheritance, through, we obtained an inheritance. We think about, you think about the will of God, what do you think of? Well, you think of what God wants to do, right? You know, think about our will and all that. There's another sense in which there's the will of God. And it's when someone is alive and they write a paper saying who's going to inherit what they have and it's called a will. Well guess what? This is also the will of God for his people to show us what our inheritance is. You think of will of God in two different ways. The Bible is the will of God. And it's written for God's people. It's written to see for, for a lot of reasons, but one reason is we can see what our inheritance is to be. God would have been very uh, justified to leave us in our sins uh, and not give us this honor of being a child of God, yet through his love, he's not only saved us, there's two parts of it. We're saved, but we're adopted into his family. And given us, again, chapter 1, Ephesians, we'll go back to verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according 
as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us, a terrible word again, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So we, may we hold on to that and never be ignore the fact that it's God's love that saved us. Look at Isaiah, please. Turn to the book of Isaiah. In chapter 43. Chapter 43 in Isaiah, beginning with verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by, my, by thy name, thou art mine. When thou pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So God calls us, he saves us, and he adopts us as a child of God. But what does that mean? What, what is it to be, be a child of God? How do we show that in the world? What's the difference between us and the world? Well, what's John's teaching here in, in 1 John? To be a child of God is to be righteous in Christ. To be a child of God is to be righteous in Christ. where John talks about the world doesn't know us in verse 1 because it knew him because it didn't know him it means that the world rejects us in the way that Jesus was rejected by the world look at the gospel of John please uh, chapter 1 beginning in verse 9 in the Gospel of John chapter 1. That was the true light, speaking of Christ, of course, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, the Jewish people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And going over to verse uh, chapter 16 in John. Beginning 
Jesus said, verse 1, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. So, the fact that we are also rejected by the world means that we will be like Christ himself, who was rejected by the world. See, the, the unchristian world, the unbelievers in this world, the people who laugh at the Bible and think you're stupid for believing it, they don't know anything about what it is to be a Christian. They don't understand it. They don't they don't understand what what it is to be a Christian. What They don't understand how you think. They don't understand how you act. Let me tell you a little story that happened uh, during our seminar a couple of weeks ago, a business seminar. Uh, one of our teachers is a brilliant, brilliant man uh, in his subject. Uh, and he uh, said to me, you know, I, I really admire, and this is a very nice compliment, he said, I really admire the way you're calm and your, your outlook on life and, you know, things don't ruffle you. Obviously, it's never... Talk to Allison. <laughs> but he said, you know, you present this calm exterior and it's, things don't really upset you. And he said, I really uh, admire that. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity to witness. I said, well, I just had a few moments to talk with him. I said, well, you know, it's because I believe that uh, God is in control and I'm not. And things that happen, uh, no matter what happens, uh, they're God's will. And ideally, I should be rejoicing in them, but you know, at least I don't have to necessarily get upset about everything that happens. Uh, because I'm going to work it out. Work it out to my good. That's what the Bible promises. And he, his response as an unbeliever was immediate. He says, oh, in other words, the bad things are all God's fault. <laughs> that was his response. The bad things are all God's fault. And uh, that's the way an unbeliever looks at things. That he judges things by his own, well, bad things. Bad things mean things that I don't want to happen. And when things go against my will, then it's God's fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fault. Not God's fault, I wouldn't put it that way, but it's God's will. It is. But my point is believer, unbelievers don't even think the way we do. Uh, people say, well, if our goal is to have our opinions based on the Word of God, not our own opinions. You know, I didn't write the Bible. God didn't consult me. You know, the things in it that my fallen mind say, well, I wouldn't have written it that way. But it's not my job to say that about the Bible. My job is to base my opinions, to form my opinions based on what God says in, in His Word. And so if somebody says, well, I think it's terrible that you're, you know, you're opposed to you know, homosexuals getting married. You know, everybody ought to be equal. We need marriage equality. That's the latest phrase invented just a few weeks ago, I think. Marriage equality. Now, it's not gay marriage anymore. It's marriage equality. Quality. Doesn't that sound nice? I mean, isn't that good? Marriage equality. Who, who's against equality? If you're against that, you're against equality. That's how they twist the phrases. But, uh, you know, you say, hey, it's not my opinion. It's not like I'm some, you know, ignorant redneck who just, you know, hates, I just hate them. You know, it's God's word. It's my, it's, I'm giving you what God says. Go argue with God if you don't like it. 
You know, go argue with the Bible. Don't argue with me about it. The problem with people who have these attitudes, whether it's on, on homosexual marriage and whether it's on uh, abortion, you know, people in favor of abortion, their problem is not. Well, they, they need more facts about when the when the child is developing in the womb and, and when the heartbeat comes and all that. That's not the problem. Their problem is their relationship with Jesus Christ. Case bottom line, they've got a spiritual problem. If they believe Christ, they believe the Bible. They would, they would reflect the opinions, not of themselves, their fallen opinions, but of what God says in the Bible. That's that's where we have to be as Christians. But it's the rejection of the world. I mean, the Scripture says the cross is offensive. The preaching of the cross is offensive to who? To those who are perishing. To the unbelievers, the ones that are destined to go to hell because they do not believe. You know, there's only one sin that's going to send you to hell. People, oh, people speculate. The scripture says, that, you know, there's a sin that the, uh, don't I don't pray the Holy Spirit for it. You know, the unforgivable, unforgivable sins, of all. There's only one sin. It's not murder. It's not stealing. It's not. It's rejecting Jesus Christ. By definition, if you reject Christ, you will not be saved. You go to hell. So there's only one sin. That can send you to hell. And that's rejecting Jesus Christ. Okay. But the cross is offensive. The preaching of the cross is offensive to those who are perishing. Okay, we're talking about being a child of God. Meaning to be like Christ. Back to 1 John. Verse 2 in chapter 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And again, going back to verse 29 in chapter 2, if you know that he's righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. Again, to be a child of God is to be righteous in Christ. Christ's righteousness applied to us, but our life in obeying his will. Not that that credits us to, towards salvation, but that is our calling. See, at Christ's return, we will be like him, but we are like Christ today, partially, since we're already God's children. And when Jesus comes back, we'll be more like Christ. Now are we the sons of God, and in verse 2, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We don't know what that means exactly. Uh, We know partially what it means, but... We will be like him in his, in his righteousness, in his purity. We know that. Um, Matthew Henry says about this, the glory pertaining to the sonship and adoption is adjourned and reserved for another world. The sons of God must walk by faith and live by hope. Our vile bodies shall be made like his glorious body. They shall be filled with life, light, and bliss from him. Colossians 3, 4, when he who is their life, Christ who is their or our life, shall appear, they, we also shall appear with him in glory. Appear with him in glory. So as we trust in Christ, uh, we obey Christ's word, as we hope in Jesus, our lives are transformed, called sanctification, become more holy in this life. And in his return, we will be conformed to his perfect image.
is First uh, Corinthians 15:49 says, "As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly." First Corinthians 15:49. So, if you trust in Christ, you're becoming more and more like Him. We have to in prayer. Ask the Lord for this assurance. Remind us, Lord, this should be our prayer. Remind me that I am your child. And as your child, I've been singled out to live holy in this world. And thank him for bringing you, lifting you up when you do sin, when you fall into sin. Because you're a child of God. If he didn't care about you, he wouldn't lift you out of sin. If he didn't care about you, you wouldn't care about sinning, would you? It's because he cares about you that you have this in your heart. Oh, I've sinned. I feel bad. I shouldn't sin. I've done the wrong thing. See, people who don't, who God has not chosen, don't think that way. They like to sin. They don't feel bad about it. They, they push it away. They push this guilt. They, 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 they will tell you they don't feel bad about it. And they want you to sin too. They're not happy until you sin as well. So in your prayers, you thank him. Keep reminding you that you are a child of God and because he is in your heart, you can resist temptation with with his strength and ask him that you would live as Christ. To me, to live as Christ also. That would be our prayer. Let's go to him.